bear with me, I'll take you with me. I'm just going to go tell Leo to stop shouting. Okay. You can stay on. Okay. Sorry, you'll have to edit this out. That's fine, don't worry. Oh, you could keep it in. What? <laughs> Reality of parenting. Give some atmosphere. <laughs> Oh, for goodness sake, now the other one's crying. This is what happens when they wake each other up. Leo, I'll come up. Ezra's asleep, I'll come up, okay? You're listening to At Home, In The Mind, with me, Vika. This podcast was originally going to be called On The Road In The Mind, as in February, I set off to spend the last two years of my 20s travelling the world. Two years, however, quickly turned to seven weeks as the world plummeted into crisis following the coronavirus pandemic. For me, this was a huge loss, not only because discovering the world has been something I've always wanted to do, but also because I have come to believe it essential for my mental health. Much of my 20s was spent only looking out for others, totally neglecting myself in the process. As I have slowly been re-emerging and gaining self-awareness, talking to family and friends, I've realized that everyone at some point or other in life deals with major or minor mental health issues. Now that billions around the world are stuck in their homes, many unsure how to cope in isolation, I decided to invite some for a chat to talk through current or past issues and resolutions. My hope is that by sharing these conversations, someone suffering miles away will feel less alone and better able to help themselves. The more we know, the better we can equip ourselves with the tools we need to heal and seek help. Welcome to the second episode of At Home in the Mind. I would like to thank everyone who listened to last week's episode. I am so touched by the feedback and the fact that it resonated with so many of you. This podcast would just be sound bites in the internet void without you. So thank you so much for listening. You can probably hear that I'm not on a walk as I said I would be. That is because I've had to isolate away from my fiancé and his parents who are vulnerable because I have felt cold-like symptoms. I don't feel awful, as you can hear. I don't have a sore throat. I haven't been coughing. But I have been feeling feverish and congested. So we don't want to risk it. That's why you can hear me once again from my studio, where I am now going to be holed up for a week at least. Enough about that. My second guest is Rianne. On Instagram, she is known as The Crippled Nipple, a page she started to reach out to other mums and bust the myth that motherhood is this dreamlike state, that everything is a fairy tale and wonderful. She's really honest about how actually tiring and difficult motherhood can be, as well as rewarding. As someone who has no clue or experience in this area, and seeing as many will be in the same position as her, and by that I mean in lockdown with their kids without the relief of school or prior support systems to help them, I thought it interesting to reach out to her and hear how she manages it all. As always, I would like to stipulate that we can only talk from our perspective, fully aware that mental health affects everyone in different ways. At the end of the episode, I will talk a little more about the issues that Rianne raises. But for now, let's start, shall we? Thanks so much for coming on to the show. Hi. How, how are you doing? How was your day? Yeah, not too bad. Crazy day inside the house. I'm calling you at uh, 8.40 because you had to put the boys to bed. Yeah. How, one of them not asleep. <laughs> one of them still not asleep. <laughs> Speaking of the boys, uh, for our listeners out there, you're a young mum. 
And you actually started your own Instagram page for mums, Solidarity with Mums, called The Crippled Nipple. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what that page was about, why it started? Um, so when I had my first son, nearly four years ago now, um, I found breastfeeding ridiculously difficult. And I didn't feel like... Um, there was enough people being honest about how awful it was. It was kind of sugar-coated by everyone. And so what I wanted to do was to sort of say, this is what it's like sometimes. It can actually be quite crap. Just so mm-hmm. that people going through similar issues, you know, would think, oh, I'm not alone in this and I can get through it and I can do it if I want to. But actually, as it goes, he was a lot easier, my second son, to feed. So I didn't have as many issues. So now it's kind of morphed a little bit into his sort of general this is what parenting is like and sometimes that's crap as well (laughs) (laughs) and great Um, of course it's great yeah it can be crap and you said it was easier becoming a mum a second time was that just because you knew the ropes a bit more or just in general your second child is a bit easier I would say I would think that it would be that little bit harder because you have two to take care of now not just one yeah um the breastfeeding was easier. The having a second child was definitely a lot, lot harder. Harder than I was expecting. He just is a completely different baby. Doesn't sleep, as you know, as I told you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and obviously you can't rest when you've got one already. You can't sleep when the baby sleeps or, you know, just take time for yourself because there's always another child that needs your attention. So, yeah. A lot harder. saw you as someone really laid back and funny and relaxed and I was wondering if actually you had anxieties or or suffered from anything like that in the in the past that have affected you now in motherhood or whether you were laid back and then motherhood gave you all these stresses that you're struggling with. I think I've always been laid back but something I've realized now as an adult is that I had awful anxiety as a child like primary school age probably until I was about 13 or 14 but I didn't know because you don't know that something's different with the way you think until you you're old enough to sort of go back and analyze it Mm -hmm. so I don't know maybe that's why I'm so laid back now maybe I got all of my anxiety out of me as a child (laughs) but it, it was like quite bad um I can remember sort of I didn't want to speak out loud at school in case somebody laughed at something that I'd said Oh, wow. um, so I just wouldn't speak and like I might lay lay in bed all night thinking about something stupid I said like oh yeah that's a common one a month yeah. ago. <laughs> but as a child I didn't realize that wasn't normal obviously well not yeah. normal let's not use the word normal <laughs> but I didn't know that wasn't how other people functioned yeah functioned yeah so I just kind of grew out of that and luckily anxiety has never been an issue for me really since in adulthood I did have insomnia at university, which yes. does come with depression symptoms because if you don't sleep, that's what happens. It's sort of quite logical that you're going to feel depressed if you're not sleeping. How and did that, you manage with it then? 
Oh, I don't know, really, to be honest. I seem to remember you were seeing lots of people who were like, we don't know how to help you, sorry, or like, there's not enough time to help you, or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I got referred for cognitive behavioural therapy, and it took about 10 months until I got an appointment. But that was after years of going to the doctor and them just sort of giving me verbal advice. I had to really cry and pull my heart out to get that referral. So that wasn't great. No. And has the depression carried through at all or is that is that gone for now? Well, at the moment I have postnatal depression, but right. that depression didn't carry through. It sort of went away when I started sleeping again, which was when I graduated. So I've been fine from then until having my second child. Do you mind going into that? That's fine. How has that manifested for you? It was very difficult for me to recognise that I had postnatal depression because I didn't feel particularly sad and mm-hmm. I wasn't crying all the time. I was probably crying a fair bit, but not not to the extent where I thought this is postnatal depression. So for me, yeah. it was very angry outbursts all the time, feeling very irritable. Mm-hmm. And also it, it affects bonding with your baby. So mm-hmm. I sort of look at Ezra and go oh I know you're beautiful but I don't think you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen which is something you hear parents say constantly like even if their baby looks like a potato they're like (laughs) (laughs) that baby's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen whereas I didn't have that so that's when I started to think "Mm, I don't know if that's right actually and then I read up about it and realized that 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 was what was causing the anger right then got myself sorted and went to see my GP and went to a talking therapy thing. Okay, was that helpful? Yeah, it was. Something that I was surprised at. I thought that it would take a really long time to get the help I needed because of my experience with insomnia. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you can self-refer for these sort of talking therapies. There's quite a few different providers. Have a look and see who's got the shortest waiting time. So I rang and I filled in forms for like four different providers and they all rang me back within like a few days. <laughs> and wow. I thought, oh, oh, now I've got like four different providers wanting to help me. So I had to like cancel three of them and go, let's try this no, one. But that's a good posi- that's a good position to be in though, yeah, right? It was it was great and I was really surprised at how quickly it happened because you hear a lot that mental health is not treated very seriously mm-hmm. um, or it's not funded well enough to be treated quickly. So I was pleasantly surprised about that. Yeah, that's that's nice to hear that it worked so quickly because when I started looking for therapy for myself, and yeah, it did take a few months, but when I finally... Actually, so it took a few months, but all they gave me, all, all I was after all the assessments, I had two different phone calls with NHS representatives. And what they do is they put you through their sort of intermediary stage and they just hold the key to all the numbers to the affordable sort of charitable therapies Mm. uh in the in your area and that's all you they provide you with is this list of numbers which was a bit I was a bit annoyed because I thought to myself well if I had known that that's all that was going to come out of this I would have researched this myself yeah and would have found the numbers myself so I've kept, actually, that list of numbers safely tucked away somewhere in the confines of my computer memory so that if anyone ever asks me about it, I just send them those. I expect it's probably a bit of um, a postcode lottery in, in some areas. They've got 
really good resources and then mm-hmm. maybe in maybe in bigger places like London they might not have enough resources to provide for the number of people that need it. I'm in Buxton, which is in Derbyshire. Um, it's quite a small town of about, probably about 20,000 people. What does isolation look like in Buxton? Are people observing it, the lockdown? Yeah, they seem to be. Yeah, I mean, when I've been out, it seems to be pretty good. There was some police on it, some police presence in the park right. and stuff to make sure everyone was obeying. Are you comfortable to go out to the parks with the kids or anything like that? Yeah, you can't go to like a play park. They're closed. But you right. can just take them on a walk through a park to a field. Sometimes I feel like, should I be doing this? For example, we took Leo to a field and, and played football with him. And I didn't know whether I should feel bad about that. Because I was like, this is exercise, but is it non- non-essential exercise? Mm. Am I going to be in a newspaper article now? <laughs> like, I'm going to be on social media. Are people going to shame me for playing football? But what's essential is it's different for different people and for... A, for a four-year-old boy, that, that stuff's essential. A four-year-old boy isn't going to go jogging, is he? No. <laughs> so I would count that as essential exercise. I did. Uh, <laughs> speaking of your four-year-old, does he understand what's going on? I'm not sure how much he understands. He, mm-hmm. We told him that there's this thing called a virus that makes you poorly, and that's why we have to stay off school and away from his friends. Um, so I think he understands that, but he doesn't really know what a virus is still. Right. He asks, he asks every day if it's gone yet, because he's desperate to go and run free, see friends. Yeah. I imagine you've had to think up of creative ways of entertaining him. I try, but he just is not cooperative. <laughs> he just wants to do what he wants to do, and I make these plans, and he's like, nah, I don't fancy that. It's like, I know you've done teaching, it's like doing a good lesson plan and then your students not wanting to do anything. Yeah. That's how, that's how it feels. <laughs> but at least with students, you can sort of pull out the teacher card on them and say, we can either stay silent in this class together and not do anything, or we can do the lesson and have a nice time. Whereas at home, they can really do whatever they want, can't yeah, they? There's no reasoning with a toddler either. Just... You have to choose your battles and he wants to play Lego all day, every day. So that's what he can do. Right. And so is is postpartum the correct term as well or is that a different thing? No, it's the same thing. I think postpartum is American. I might be wrong. I think postpartum is American and postnatals English. Okay. So with your post, you know, having to deal with postnatal depression, I imagine before this isolation, you had a support group outside the home in terms of mums or even sending Leo to nursery. How is it managing your stresses when everyone's at home and you don't feel like you have a get out free card? Yeah, it it is difficult. Um, Just meeting up with other mums that have similar struggles to you, um, even if they don't have postnatal depression they, they can still emphasize with what you're going through they would have had a lot of the same challenges in their life so it is hard I'm really grateful that Craig's work shut at the moment so he's at home so I get that help during the day if he was at work I, I really don't know what would be going on with me <laughs> I, 
I think I would have gone actually gone insane. I mean, and one of the things I felt before I had medication is that I I just couldn't cope with both of them at home, and I would dread the weekend because Craig worked all weekend. I wouldn't have nursery, and I'd absolutely dread having to look after them all day on my own. When I heard that we were going to go into lockdown, I was panicked. I was really panicked because I thought, oh, oh. God, now I'm going to be on my own with them all day for like at least two weeks. But yeah, it was a big relief when I found out Grace's work was closing. <laughs> I was like, yes. So is he, is he on furlough at the moment? Yeah, we've not got any money yet, but he will be, hopefully, okay. <laughs> getting some money. Okay. And how is he enjoying home life? Um, I think it's been a bit of a shock to him. Right. Um, he was super grumpy for maybe about five or six days. And I think you just you just have to adapt, don't you? And it takes some time to get used to mm-hmm. um, something new. And I think he realises now that it's a lot harder being at home all day than he thought it would be. Right. So in a way, it's sort of brought an understanding. Yeah, I think so. I don't think Craig would ever admit it. <laughs> I think there's a bit of understanding there. I keep saying, see, do you understand now why I can't get anything done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have, but, you know, having lost that support that you relied on before, the mum the mum groups and the nursery, etc., apart from having your partner at home, is there any other support that you found in this time of lockdown? Well, just, just reaching out to my friends more. So the mum friends, we all we all message on WhatsApp and we do video calls sometimes as well. And it's just comforting to know that they find it difficult as well. So sometimes that's all you need is someone saying, yeah, I'm in the same boat. This is really hard. And I'm probably talking a lot more to friends in general than I would normally. I think not many people do call each other anymore, do they? <laughs> sort of you just WhatsApp and, and text. Yeah. So I'm definitely FaceTiming, calling skyping people a lot more which has been really nice and it's opened other avenues of support that I didn't think about before I think because most of my friends don't have children yet so normally I probably wouldn't ring them for a chat about how I was feeling etc but now I have and it's nice I realize actually I can get quite a bit of support from them too yeah and things like virtual pub dates mm-hmm. which is new because I don't get to go out obviously <laughs> I don't get to go to the pub so that's quite nice. In a way, my social life has improved. As far as I know, the rest of your family are isolating in London. Yeah. So how is that for you, being that far away from them? Yeah, I, I really do miss my mum. She comes up once a month or at least once every two months. So I miss her, obviously. I still get to talk to her all the time. We FaceTime pretty much every day. But there's things like it's Leo's birthday coming up, the elder one, the four-year-old. Oh. And I think, oh, she's not going to be able to come to his birthday. Nobody's going to be able to come to his birthday. So that's a bit sad. And birthdays at that age are so important. Yeah, it's the end of May. So I'm hoping maybe by the end of May, there might be a little bit of lifting on restrictions. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. One thing that you raised the other day and that I've spotted more in the news are stories about kids getting the virus. We all thought that they were safe. Have you adopted anything to help you deal with stress and anxieties related to fear of the virus and how it might impact your family? Not really, to be honest, because 
to be honest, I don't know what I could do to lessen that worry. It is a bit of a worry, but it's, it's not something that's in the front of my mind. I do try not to look at the news too much because that's what sort of sets off anxiety is seeing things about, you know, a five-year-old dying, a child very close to my oldest age. Mm-hmm. So I just try not to look at <laughs> look at the news too much. There's a page on um, Instagram, I think it's called Happy News, mm-hmm. something like that. And that's great because it's just got all these positive snippets every day for you to read. So that's great, actually, just trying to read something else other than the C word. Those sites are really good. You know, reminding ourselves that there are good things happening in the world. It's not just imploding. The actor John Krasinski has started a YouTube page, which is called Some Good News, where he sort of does this funny comedic skit as an anchor, pretend news anchor, and displays all these good news. And it's really touching and moving. So I don't know if you've watched it yet, but I seriously recommend it. I haven't, but I'll definitely check it. Uh, Ezra's crying now. Oh, So I might have to pause and then come back. Okay, I'll be here. forgot to ask actually is you you know you mentioned that you found good therapy to help you out with um postnatal is that still going online now or how is that working out i've actually been discharged from it um but i i reckon they will be probably still doing phone calls for people okay. that um are currently having therapy yeah i imagine that's how it's working at the moment it might be harder if you're not already in the therapy Yes. Get it in this this situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something we could research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to put on it and say, oh, by the way, this is how you, you know, can access support. Yeah, yeah, I'll look it up. I'll put a link down. I want to do this thing on the show where I have some closing questions just to sort of give a nice conclusion and summary. So if you're ready, mm-hmm. uh, here they are. What do you miss most about pre-isolation? Play dates. Play dates. Play dates. Play dates. Yeah, I think a lot of people think play dates are for the children, but I think play dates are more for the parents. Than <laughs> <laughs> what happens on a, on a play date for people who aren't familiar? Well, firstly, the children entertain each other, which is, which is massive because yeah. it's so mentally taxing to have to entertain a child all day long. Um, mm-hmm. So... It's easier to have other children in your home than it is just to have... I'd rather have three more children in my home than just my child on his own because it takes that pressure off you to have to constantly provide that mental stimulation. You know, it's just something about having that interaction with another person as well, having them over for a chat. And I think it's something that you you can't get really virtually. I think there's something special about communicating face to face of course i mean virtual communication is obviously still helpful but i'm sure it does something else emotionally i don't know chemically face to face well especially when you have a another being that's relieving you of having to look after your child that's yeah yeah you can't really do a play date virtually for a four-year-old five-year-old no we've tried it we've tried like um (laughs) 
FaceTiming and, and the kids don't really talk to each other. Like at most, no. they, might, they might bring a toy and show each other, but they just sit there quiet, <laughs> staring at each other. They're trying to prompt them, but they're just sitting there staring at each other. And like, you try and get them to make conversation, but they're just like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> like, Whoa, this is your best friend. Oh. <laughs> I guess for them, it's, they sort of haven't learned yet how to communicate in no. that way. So. No, and kids are funny because you can go to someone's house and they won't really play with each other. They sort of play next to each other and they won't really interact. But then afterwards, they're like, I had an amazing time. I can't wait to go to Blah Blah's house again. So, <laughs> do you really play together? <laughs> but in their eyes, they have and they've had right. an amazing play day. <laughs> right. Just playing next to each other. Well, despite the lack of playdates and, you know, I can't imagine all the stress you're under, is there anything that you are grateful for during this time that his time has given you? Well, I've actually, because I've got help at home, I have Mm. got more time for myself. And one of the things when you have depression that you hear a lot is, oh, make sure you make time for yourself. Try and exercise Mm -hmm. because that's really good for you. And when you're depressed, you're like, oh, sod off. Like, the last thing totally. I feel like doing right now is getting on a treadmill or, uh-huh. or you know, going to a cafe and reading a magazine. Um, uh-huh. And then when you have children, it's even worse because you're like, not only do I not want to do that, but there is no chance for me to do that in my day. Mm-hmm. I can't fit that kind of thing in. So that's something I've been able to fit in. Now Craig's at home, is that I've been able to... Um, do some yoga at home which is something I enjoy I attempted to run outside (laughs) attempted attempted, (laughs) which I kind of enjoyed even though it was really challenging Uh Um, but I'm really lucky because not everybody has that some people are completely on their own aren't they um yeah with children so I'm, I'm grateful for that saying that though what is the first thing you'll do after all of this is over Definitely arrange to see my friends face to face. Beer garden would be nice. <laughs> a play date? Maybe beer garden play a date. Beer garden play date. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the dream. That would be the dream. It's not always practical with children, but I have taken them to the pub before, so we'll see. And what is your number one survival tip? Just to try and take each day as it comes, I suppose. Um, like this is probably just like parental survival rather in general but I'd say not to put pressure on yourself to like um, be doing things that other parents are doing like you know you see all these people on Instagram or Facebook with their elaborate lesson plans and their day all planned out and all these creative fun activities Mm. it's fine just to not structure your day and do nothing I mean, especially people that are working and they're trying to work and homeschool their children. Mm-hmm. Just just don't. Your child will be fine if you don't homeschool them for like a month. Nothing's yeah. going to happen. You're not supposed to work and teach and look after children. That's why people either are stay-at-home mums or working mums or part-time working mums. You mm-hmm. can't do it all because it's not physically possible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's a bit rubbish. <laughs> I don't think it's rubbish. I think it's really valuable advice. People want to do what's best for their kids, obviously. Um, yeah. 
And sometimes it is totally fine, as you say, to relax a little bit. And from what you've told me, if you have a toddler, there's no amount of planning you can do that will (laughs) pan out as you've planned. No, and everybody with children is going to be in the same boat. So I don't think there's like in September when they go back to school, there's going to be a massive disadvantage if you haven't sat doing times tables with your child. Sure. And also you've got to think about how strange it is for your child and how they might have anxieties of their own. So I, mm. I think it should just try and make it as like, relaxing and as fun as possible rather than trying to force like, schoolwork yeah. on them. Communicating with your child and seeing how they feel and maybe there's something they heard about they'd be interested to learn that day and make yeah. it a sort of fluid, more fluid education linked to their curiosity on a daily basis rather than a sort of strict school curriculum. Yeah. Uh, and then as to living in the present, I think that applies to, to all of us. I mean, to be honest, that's the only way I've been. That, that would be my number one survival tip is taking each day as it comes because no one knows how long this is going to last. To even give this a deadline is giving yourself false hope. And also potentially false stress thinking. Yes, oh, I've got six weeks of this when you don't know that. Mm-hmm. So so my big thing has been waking up and assessing the situation for the day. It's like, okay, this is still the reality. Great, let's just carry on, you know. And yeah. if it changed, then to be flexible and open-minded and, and see what that means. Rianne, thank you so, so much for coming on, for being so open and and for being so generous with your with your time especially your your very limited time to yourself when your kids have gone to bed (laughs) so thank you no problem no problem i enjoyed it good night night bye 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 that's the end of the second episode i'm so grateful to rianne for being so open It was very kind of her to give us a little snippet of what it's like to be in lockdown with a toddler and a little baby running amok. I'm just so glad that she has managed to find a support system through this. Remember that although it is impossible for someone to be going through exactly what you're going through, that doesn't mean that we can't reach out to our friends and family. As Rianne said, sometimes all it takes is for someone to let you know that they're struggling too and that you're in this together. You're not alone. If you are suffering from any of the issues raised in this episode, please see the links in the description below. Also, don't forget to watch, follow the good news pages we spoke about. I can't tell you how much it helps to remind myself that not everything is doom and gloom out there and that there is still good in the world. Let me know what you took away from this episode on my Instagram page. Tune in next week as I reach out to my friend Monique in Moscow. We talk about the struggles of living so far away from friends and family during this time, loneliness, and how Russia has dealt with the virus. Finally, I want to thank my sister, Zhenya, for the logo and constant support with this podcast, my fiancé, Jamie, who not only adds the important final touch to the audio, but also composed the theme tune to the podcast, something I forgot to mention last week. Sorry, Jamie. You can discover more of their talents on their Instagram pages. Again, the links are in the descriptions below. And of course, Rianne for so generously sacrificing her precious alone time while the children sleep to talk to me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next week at home in the mind. <laughs>